Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. I guess the way to start this out is just, you know, the general talk a little bit about yourself and like how you got into horror and everything. Yeah. Um, I think what really got me into horror movies is when I was young, I was really into Halloween, not like the movie necessarily, but just the time of the year mm-hmm. and, uh, in Michigan, the, you know, the transition from the summer to fall and the season of fall is just really, really cool. And, um, I think it kind of stemmed from the love for, for the holiday of Halloween. And then that kind of got me into, um, probably one of the first horror movies I saw was John Carpenter's Halloween, which was a big favorite of mine. Um, but also some not really quite universal. I wasn't, I'm not, I never got too crazy in universal monsters, but a lot of uh, kind of like fifties uh, atomic age horror. Uh, me and my grandma used to watch when I was a little kid. So I remember like the creature from the black lagoon was a really big one for me. And uh, it's just kind of, I guess like the classic story going down the rabbit hole, you know, when I was a teenager, when I was a little kid, I was watching all the, Friday 13th and at Realm Streets and as I got into my teenage years I started uh, kind of branching out into the more of the Italian stuff and um, you know finding uh, directors like Lucio Fulci and uh, Rigardi Adato and then you know you just kind of push the boundaries more and uh, then I got into more extreme cinema and I think Cannibal Holocaust <clears throat> really pushed me into that but when I first saw the first time I saw uh, Fred Vogel's Logos Underground, it like, uh, I don't know, it had an impact on me like I haven't seen since I was like, it had an impact on me that I haven't had since I, since like the first time I saw like the Evil Dead when I was like, you know, eight or nine. And um, that really, really sucked me in. And then, because I, I like all kinds of horror. I don't just watch extreme stuff, but, but yeah, I just kind of, it's, it seems like an, a very common evolution that, that a lot of people go through maybe especially my age but um yeah and horror is just uh i love it it's like my main hobby and um yeah just my main my main passion it was talking about like you know 
liking the holiday Halloween. Is that something you're still yeah. passionate about? Because like I know, like around here, for instance, it's it's kind of dead to be honest with you. Like yeah. no one does trick or treating. There's no decorations. Is that something you're still into? Yeah, it's um, it's funny about the trick or treating. It really fluctuates up uh, where I am. Where some years it seems like it's dead and it's kind of like a dying trend. Um, and I still think to a degree, maybe it is more of a dying trend compared to when I was in uh, you know, elementary school and a little kid. But yeah, I very much love Halloween. Um, fall is my favorite time of the year. Um, I do electrical work, so I would like to, you know, it'd be cool to live somewhere warm because working outside in the winter can be really brutal sometimes. But, you know, one of the reasons why I always kind of want to stay where I'm at is just having, uh, being able to experience fall in the Midwest and it's really important to me and it's like a really a lot of it's you know childhood nostalgia but yeah i absolutely love halloween and um and yeah i hope uh, i really hope you know trick-or-treating doesn't die out or anything like that i think it's really cool for you know kids experience and yeah i don't know there's just it's hard to kind of pinpoint why i'm so drawn to it mm. you know the only thing i can think of is just since loving it as a kid uh, and just kind of having that nostalgia and just for some reason, just being drawn to, you know, Halloween time and changing the leaves. And I don't know, it's just something that for some reason I just really love. It's kind of hard to pinpoint why. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, horror in general, because like when you're a kid, and you're watching horror movies, you watch them because they scare you, but mm. the older you get, they don't really have that same effect. You stay with it because you still yeah. have that emotional connection to it. And yeah. I, I think yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons like, you know, progressing to more extreme cinema makes sense because then you're getting that visceral feeling again. Is that kind yeah. of what made you to start like seek out more extreme horror? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, just seeing something that could invoke a reaction out of me. Um, kind of like uh, I touched on August Underground there, and um, then after that, I try to seek out. You know, I started picking up some Marion Dora releases and uh, you know, like the Vomit Gore from Blues for Valentine, and I'm not too crazy about the Vomit Gore films, but yeah, kind of getting that reaction, but there has been times um, where I, horror has given me, uh, like non-extreme horror has uh, invoked a reaction in me. I remember when I was, I was probably like 16 or 17 when um, It Follows came came out. Hmm. You know yeah. yeah, that was filmed like right, there's a shot of it, um, of an ice cream store in that movie, and that was literally like three streets down from my house. That's and, awesome. <laughs> uh, it was filmed in, a lot of it was filmed in Clawson, and uh, just areas all around me where I live, you know, and uh, right outside of Detroit. So uh, it was really cool seeing that. But all that, I didn't like it just because it, you know, takes place uh, where I live. I just thought the concept of uh, somebody kind of following you and you can, you know, drive fucking or, you know, take a plane wherever, how far out. And just the fact that something at a study pace is, is just walking at you. And that kind of spooked me a little bit. I used to skateboard up to like the local 7-Eleven at night. And there's a couple of times like I caught myself looking behind me. But also um, some other films uh, like Lake Mungo scared the shit out of me, actually. And I saw mm. Lake Mungo for the first time, like fairly recently. I was probably like 20. So maybe like four or five years ago. But no, it's probably 21, actually. But um, yeah, that spooked me out. And um like uh, the original Martyrs, the French film from 2007. Yep. I can't remember the director's name, but yeah, the first time I watched that, it was just really uh, an adrenaline pumping experience. And also uh, 
I think another big one just off the top of my head I can think of is uh, Ari Aster's Hereditary. Hereditary, yeah. Uh, yeah, people would shit on that movie, and I had people texting me saying, you know, Hereditary sucks, not worth it. And I watched it, and it, like, blew my mind. And then mm-hmm. I watched it a few more times and kind of picked up on some little subtle metaphors and stuff like that. And I think the movie is genius. I, I don't – I'm not the biggest fan of – uh, Midsommar, but Hereditary is fucking awesome. Yeah, and like the thing about Hereditary too that I think is so good is that like it could not be a horror movie and it would still be just as impactful. Like yeah. I've never seen a movie capture grief more realistically than that. Yeah, like the that dinner table scene and um, where Peter's in his bed the the morning mm-hmm. after and his uh, Tony Collette, you hear her just kind of scream this visceral. Um, just this, you know, just the kind of reaction. It, it, Tony Collette just captured the the reaction of a, a grieving mother so well in that role, and um, yeah, that one was that one is awesome. And even just small scenes like uh, the scene where Peter's sitting in his classroom and you had that old lady. I can't remember her name. Oh, Joanne, I think was her name. <laughs> and you see her because you know, obviously, it's spoiler alert. But um, even though people should probably have seen it by now the scene where he's in the classroom and you see her just yelling at him across the street, you know, Peter, I cast you out. And it's kind of like a reverse exorcism and something mm-hmm. about that just gave me the freaking chills. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, another movie that I really liked that was similar to that was the witch. And oh, yeah. like, I remember being in the theater and like afterwards there was a lady stood up and was like, well, I want my money back. That sucked. And I'm like, what did you <laughs> want? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so cool. How true to um, the mythology that, um, that uh, uh eggers uh fucking what's his first name again robert eggers um, yeah the uh the director of that in, in the lighthouse but the i thought it was cool how um you know how much he studied the mythology behind witchcraft and uh even just the scene where you know the baby remains are being smeared on the broom because it's mythology that which that's gives them the ability mm-hmm. to fly and and the one thing that the first time I heard it, I thought my volume wasn't up high enough. There's this old English dialect in that movie, and I couldn't understand a word. So I watched it again. I've seen it a few times, but again, the subtitles. And... But yeah, I, I absolutely love that movie. And like, there there was this wave there for a while. I don't know if you picked up where people were like calling stuff like A24 films like elevated horror. Yeah. As they're, they're almost not horror movies. And like that was one of the most bizarre trends I've seen in recent memory. <laughs> Yeah, I still hear people use that term. That you know, it's it's annoying. It's like hearing like post horror, you know. Yeah. Turn that that noise the hell out of me. I, I don't know why what the elevated comes from. To me, I just think they're really uh, you know, they're great modern day horror movies, and they're not remakes, and they're really original. And um, yeah, Robert Eggers. I think it'll be cool to see where him and uh, Ari Aster go, especially Ari Aster. I can't wait for whatever he does next. But he also had a really cool short film. Um, Oh, I think it's called Meet the Johnsons. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah, that was that was really cool. I think it's uh, up on YouTube for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I really, really recommend that one out. You know, jumping into the uh, the more of the independent underground horror outside of like August Underground, like when did you start discovering more like real low budget extreme horror and stuff? Yeah. Um I was uh 
that kind of opened the gateway, um, probably August Underground, and then kind of joining those online communities, um, you know, like the Unearth Films group and uh, things like Beneath the Underground, where people would start sharing a lot of links to some cool stuff. And um, around the same time, like a little bit after I started getting into like toe tag stuff, um, I met uh, James Bell and then uh, found out, you know, that we, you know, we're like around the same area and stuff. So um, I helped James Bell out with some stuff they shooting and uh, he kind of also has uh, put me onto a lot of really cool stuff as well. And he's got a pretty gnarly collection and um, lets me borrow some stuff that I want to see. And that kind of put me onto also a lot of like shot on video stuff, you know, like splatter farm and video violence and, and stuff like that. And when did you decide that you wanted to make movies? Um, hmm. Honestly, probably maybe when I started hanging out around James and uh, also when I was meeting kind of friends, uh, some friends in the underground community, <laughs> like Lucky Sturdy, who runs Dead Vision Productions, and, and talking to people like Patrick Fortin, who runs uh, Gorgeous Productions out of Quebec. And it kind of seemed like, um, you know, I kept seeing people make movies that I personally, like, enjoyed watching that, um, you know, you realize you don't need, like, a shit ton of money for. And with some personal connections I have, I, I figured, you know, I have kind of the resources at my disposal to, you know, make something um so that's what i wanted to do and as like a lifelong horror fan it, it it's something to that draw my attention but it's nothing i really ever thought of as like a teenager or anything like that it probably wasn't until like a couple of years ago where the idea popped up in my head and with the um, deviant which is a movie that we really enjoyed and have put over as much as we can um thank you i appreciate it not a problem uh where did the ideal come from like it's um obviously there's like you know people pick up on the main reference being uh like august underground <laughs> but what really kind of started that is um there's a movie from a guy named ryan loxton um i don't know if you're familiar with him he had a, a movie called agony mm. and funny enough that was also kind of he was a big fan of uh of uh, fred stuff and he's a big fan of the first august underground and penance and um there was a scene in that movie um I don't. I won't spoil it in case anyone hasn't seen it. It's kind of hard to find nowadays. But a scene involving uh, needles, like uh, you know, like hypodermic needles, or you know, syringes you see at the the doctor's office. And um, there's a scene of that that just made my skin crawl. And it was something so simple yet, you know, so creative. And then um, I kind of had the idea of like you know how like like with the razor blade scene in Deviant, like how that was kind of inspiration from uh from agony you know like the thinking of like an idea of like razor blades at a park and stuff like that and that was like the first idea i ever had in my head to shoot i thought it'd be cool to shoot something that involves that and then like wherever it goes you know then it goes but um but yeah that wasn't like the first stuff we shot but uh but yeah that was i'd say that deviant probably wouldn't even exist uh, without Ryan Loxon's Agony, which I highly recommend. And Ryan's a really cool dude. And um, I'm doing uh, some filming for like a follow-up to Deviant, and uh, it, it'll be really cool And because Ryan Loxon's going to be out at Wasteland, and we're going to kind of collaborate a little bit, and he's going to film. Some, we're going to film some stuff together, um, which is really cool because I'm a big fan of uh, Ryan and, and his film. And, yeah, I just thought it would be a really nice touch. 
That'd be awesome, yeah. Uh, one of the aspects of Deviant that I thought worked the best for me is um, is almost like not the violent stuff. It's this nonchalant yeah. lifestyle stuff where it's just like, you know, yeah, there's this horrific thing going on, but we're not even focusing on it. And like that yeah. captured that like August Underground feeling, you know, for the first, like again, for the first time, because there's so many pseudo snuff films where it's just like, or found footage, or however you want to put it. Where it's just like, you know, it's just violence, gore, 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 and it loses that realistic yeah. feel where Deviant really captured it. Where did that ideal come to include a lot of that kind of stuff to it? Um, well, I kind of wanted like the casualness to j- just kind of be a reflection of the characters and how, you know, kind of crazy they were. And um, there's things like, you know, if I watched it, I could go back and pick it apart and do things differently or add some more time to it. But um, I wanted some of the uh, a problem I have with some like Swayo snuff movies, and as much as like I love August Underground, um, like I feel like there will be some scenes that just go on for a really long time with really not much going on, which does really you know on it it does really capture authenticity, um, because that is what a you know person or crazy person's uh camera footage would be like. But I kind of wanted it to not drag in two parts, you know I I didn't want it to drag too many or you know too much in some parts of the film um but i did also want to incorporate you know non-violent stuff like skate park footage and stuff that in real life normally i'd just be doing with my friends yeah like to me like my favorite scene in the movie is just the two guys on the couch just talking yeah <laughs> like you hear like the scream in the background like to me that's the most dis- like that's more disturbing than anything you could have showed like yeah that worked perfectly yeah. Yeah, and that's that's cool. You said that somebody else has said that too. That that they thought that was the the most effective thing from it. And it was funny because when we were doing that, I kind of had like a very loose script to follow, and we we're you know we we're kind of following the script and, and uh, reading the dialogue, and it would just come out so stiff every time, and you know just like you could tell it was just you know because we're not actors or nothing like that. Um, so then we I was kind of you know because I do electrical work like for my real job for my for my day job and um i was like let's just talk about shit we kind of normally talk about <clears throat> and then after we did that we noticed it kind of flowed much more smoothly um and yeah that was another thing i wanted to have you could hear the yelling in the background you know not too loudly but you know it's there and it's faint and if you pay attention to it you can uh you can hear it another aspect of it too that i liked uh mainly because like before I, I I suffered a torn Achilles, but before that I skated for nearly 10, 15 years. Yeah. And uh, the skateboard culture in film has been not done very well. So to like see like someone actually like legitimately skateboarding yeah. in a film was to me really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. How did you get into skating and like where did the idea to add that into the film come from? Uh, skateboarding. <clears throat> I've been skateboarding since I, I think I got my first board when I was 13 and uh, so that was over i'll be 25 here in a couple of months so that was over a decade ago and um i used to be when i was in like elementary school and middle school i used to be really big into sports so i played baseball and basketball and um and i was playing like for my middle school basketball team and uh my neighbor got a skateboard and i always just wanted to constantly borrow his skateboard because i thought it was so fun and, you know, just learning stuff, you know, learn how to ollie for the first time and ollieing up curbs and, and whatnot. And it got to the point when I'd be at basketball practice, you know, in eighth grade. Um, I'd just be thinking about skateboarding the entire time. And I'd just go home and skateboard. And um, then I was just like, you know, fuck this. I quit in the middle of the basketball season and just ended up skateboarding permanently. And then I fell in love with it. And 
um, all my friends for the most part skateboard. So we just all, you know, grew up, uh, just skateboarding around town and just doing stupid shit and skateboarding, uh, you know, I always love it, but I try to go a little easier on myself than when I was younger. Cause like if I break my arm, for example, that could cause me like real life problems. Um, you know, I have bills to pay and stuff like that, but, but I still try to skateboard when I can, when it's warm out, I'll skate, um, like almost every day of the week, but yeah, I'll probably skate until I, I physically can't anymore, you know, to some degree at least, but, but yeah, always, um, I'm not crazy into like, I don't follow up with what's going on like the skateboard world or anything like that. I just personally love doing it myself. Is there any like movies you can think of that are like actually good representations of skateboarding? Like the only one I could think of, even though it's not necessarily the most positive is something like kids. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an example. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I can't really think of too many films off the top of my head that have skateboarding in it. Um, like there's a movie called Grind that you know everyone, a lot of people are a big fan of, and I, I think that movie's pretty cool. But um, I mostly I don't really watch too much stuff outside of horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch like a lot of like YouTube uh, videos and like true crime stuff and and whatnot. But I don't really I'm trying to think of like horror movies that have skateboarding in it, and I really can't think of any off the top of my head. Not really, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a movie I guess called Midnight Skater, which is a uh, indie flick, but. I have, and I hear it's good, but I've not gotten my hands on that yet. So I definitely like to see, uh, see what that's all about. Yeah, it does feel like like there's certain like communities in horror that are used more for like almost cannon fodder, like skateboarding, metal, wrestling. Like they're always done yeah. super cheesy and lame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you'll have like when a lot of skateboarding scenes, like the obvious body double. You know, you have the actor kind of bend down on their board, then it cuts to someone else's <laughs> yeah. in their shoes doing some trick. <laughs> Um, talking about you know the underground scene in general, we've kind of hit like a a boom period. Like there's so many like independent filmmakers coming out, lots of podcasts coming out. What do you attribute yeah. like why this boom is happening right now? To I'm not really sure. I think it's probably just I think one of those things with uh, extreme cinema and all these rare titles going out of print is you'll have horror fans kind of like myself who kind of you know went into this. Uh, gateway revolution are just kind of now coming around to the corner to more of the extreme stuff and the underground stuff and there's a lot more passion in the underground community and um i think that's probably why because all and also i mean obviously not that this would be like a sole factor or anything but i noticed that that really popular iceberg meme Mm. there's like videos about like the disturbing movie iceberg or something like that and uh, i noticed a lot of people from that kind of coming in to a lot of groups and um well, there's, there's one other thing I feel like. Oh, yeah, like TikTok. You'll hear oh yeah. story. Like, for example, I was like the family video closed like a year, maybe a little over a year ago. And I was at family video with my friend checking out because they're selling all their stuff for real cheap. And uh, there's like this, you know, maybe 14 or 15 year old girl there as we were walking out and she's talking to the, the clerk at family video. And she's asking if they have Megan is missing. And it was funny because me and my buddies kind of turned to each other and were like, what do you what do you want that movie for? And um, yeah, she said she saw something about it on TikTok. And I, I, I think a lot of these films, um, I don't really know anything about TikTok. I don't have a TikTok, but I hear some films get some like underground films, like Lucifer Valentine stuff, get some circulation on there. But see, so yeah, I feel like it's probably a mix of that. Like people who aren't necessarily fans of horror that are just seeking out some crazy stuff 
to see if they can stomach it. And then on top of people who have always loved horror and are just kind of now finding out about like this whole other side of it and the whole other world of it. And I, I feel it kind of sucks too, because even like two years ago, a lot of these films were way more accessible than they are mm. now. Like I remember when I grabbed the August underground trilogy, I, you know, I, for each of them, I paid like, you know, 20 to 30 bucks each, but I'll see like sold listings on eBay of people selling those things for over like a hundred bucks. And I can totally see why, you know, it, people aren't able to find these titles because you know it's hard to justify spending 100 bucks on a movie yeah and it's like you know i've been watching this style of film for a while and i kick myself because there's so many titles i never picked up that now yeah. it's just like shit you know like, yeah. <laughs> now you gotta pay 200 dollars again i could have gotten for ten dollars now yeah what do you do <laughs> either that or like you sold something for cheap back in the day oh yeah and now some you know now all of a sudden it's you know people are paying a couple hundred bucks for i just sold my Unearth release, uh, list for Valentine's Famicor trilogy, and um, I, I really try not to like screw people over. You know, I'm not like trying to make like a crap load of money off it. It's cool if other people are interested in it and they can. I want people to be able to see it, and I ended up selling it off to somebody for like 75 bucks or something like that, which yeah. some people could, still thinks a little, you know, steep. But then I see, you know, sold listings of it, you know, over 300 bucks at selling. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. For sure. I, I, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable selling somebody a DVD or like a box set of DVDs for that much money. But yeah, people are willing to pay crazy high prices. Um, I don't know if there's just like, you know, some big money spenders who got into the game or what, but it's not it's like that in murder set pieces. Yeah. Uh, murder set pieces. That's like fucking, you know, impossible to find. Luckily I have a couple of copies of it, but that's another one that I see just go for stupid prices nowadays. And I do think a lot of it may come down to like TikTok and YouTube and things like that. Like people are buying these movies, these like quote unquote influencers, you know, so yeah. they can watch it and be like, look what I have kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it, you know they may be the ones who are causing the price raises, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but to de- back to Deviant a little bit, um, how did you start working with Lucky Soretti and like how did Deviant end up being put out by Dead Vision Productions? Uh, Lucky, I want to say in like 2000 and maybe like the tail end of 2019 or beginning of 2020, I remember I was, um, I was hanging out with James and he does uh, a lot of props for Lucky's films, or at least for, you know, Kindness of Strangers and and Freak. And, uh, James was telling me to check out Kindness of Strangers because he thought it was pretty cool. This was before Freak came out, but, um, I picked up Kindness of Strangers and Shorts from the Morgue from him. And, uh, you know, just kind of throughout chatting with him and about movies and stuff, you know, we realized we have a lot of the same interests, you know, we're huge into death metal and we love horror movies and, uh, we're like around the same age and, um, we just kind of had like a kind of a friendship that clicked and, uh, he, uh, when he found out I was shooting, shooting something, he, uh, immediately jumped on it and offered uh, to put it out and, that's uh, really cool of him he does the releases he does you know for himself and other people are really cool too you know you got the title screen menus and it's really cool what he does to it he's a really solid dude and um i think his movies are like insanely unappreciated um i'm not sure how much of his work that you've seen but um it's really underrated stuff and he has uh you know he's involved with theater so he has these actors that are really good at acting and i was uh fortunate enough to see uh, a rough cut of his upcoming film uncle Slezo's toxic and terrifying tv hour and that was just like a massive uh you know he's just progressing like like crazy there's a segment in that in that movie that 
Um, seems like it's like a Tales from the Crypt episode. You know, his cinematography is great. The acting in the films are great. And he has, you can tell, he just has a huge passion for it. You know, he puts a lot of time and effort into what he does. And um, he's somebody that definitely uh, influenced me to uh, choose something myself, for sure. Yeah, and I, we've seen Kind of Stranger and Freak, and thought both of them were excellent. And the reason I saw that Freak got picked up a wild eye, and was getting a lot of coverage on these mainstream sites, but they were kind of like, oh, this shitty B-movie, and it was kind of pissing me off a little bit. I was kind of like, man, like you've not seen the movie. You don't understand. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what it was, too. There is a bloody disgusting article. And, uh, you know, it's cool. Like, the promotion for it's cool. And I don't know if it was like intentionally some of it was backhanded or if the guy's just kind of a smug and a- smug asshole. But yeah, it seems like he was kind of talking smack about something he's never even seen. So yeah, uh, you know, but it's cool to get the publicity. And then you know, with um, him uh, giving uh, you know letting Wild Eye put it out for a little bit, that also uh, got him on Rue Mark's website too. So yeah. I think it's uh, you know, I'd like to see you know, his name pop up more and, um, you know, he's really just one of those filmmakers that are really underrated in my opinion. And, uh, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. For sure. Absolutely. So, um, as far as like, you've kind of talked about a little bit, what's next for you as far as like making stuff goes? Yeah, I am, uh, currently doing like a follow-up to Deviant and I want to make this one a little bit longer. You know, it's one of kind of, I don't know about if I'd say like regret, but I probably would have added 10 or 15 minutes onto it. And uh, I want to make this one, you know, like a 30 or 40 minute. It's still going to, you know, probably not hit feature length, but a 30 or 40 minute thing. And um, I'll probably be done filming with all that. Um, I want to say probably like by the end of, you know, this fall probably or somewhere in the middle of the fall. Um, but yeah, then after that, I think it'd be cool to kind of step away from all that stuff. And I'd like to do something that's not like found footage style or anything like that. And kind of really challenge myself at, uh, you know, obviously you do have to edit stuff like found footage movies, but, um, I'd really kind of like to challenge myself and, uh, do something a little more tricky, something not found footage. And, um, there's something I want to do that involves skateboarding. So I think I want to keep that kind of be a common theme, but yeah so far i'm just focused on on working on that right now um another thing that you do that i'm a big fan of is your podcast morbid horror especially really the episodes with you and lucky doing the top tens and stuff like that i think those yeah. were fantastic <laughs> what made you want to start doing a podcast um i think it was uh it was probably when i started a little bit after i started joining some of these groups on facebook and uh talking to um just chatting with film filmmakers who uh are like uh you know i like up to a lot you know people like maggot and stuff and um then i thought it'd be cool just to kind of um spread the word to i mean i know it's not like a massive platform and it's kind of like a niche subgenre um of horror but it's kind of mostly just you know one for fun because uh, horror is a big hobby of mine and also to kind of help spread the word out about uh filmmakers who i think a lot of time are underrated and kind of uh, shed some light on on their films. But yeah, just kind of start out of just passion for the genre, I guess. Something I thought would be fun thing to do, kind of get myself involved in some way in like you know the online horror community. And it's uh, recently been kind of brought under the severed uh, mm-hmm. cinema umbrella. Uh, umbrella, like how did that relationship begin? Yeah, I was um I was talking to Chris 
who runs Severed Cinema, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but we were chatting like, probably like a year and a half ago, maybe. And uh, we were talking about the idea a little bit. He said that he's a fan of it. And um, I, you know, we, we eventually, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the smoke kind of cleared and we discussed it more and more seriously. And um, I thought it'd be a good idea because I'm a big fan of Severed Cinema. Um, like since I got into extreme horror, just as an interest, um, that's a website I always really liked. And uh, it's something that he really wanted to do and was really down to do to kind of add something new to their website. And uh, I, you know, I just couldn't refuse to do it because I'm such a big fan of Severed Cinema and it's cool to be, uh, you know, part of them now and have uh, some of my content on their website. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that could help my podcast out a little bit, but it's mostly something I did just because I'm a big fan of, of his website mm. and, and the work that he does. And he's been in the game for a long time. You know, he's doing like promotional work for like we were talking about uh, Nick Plumbo's murder set pieces. And um, yeah, just kind of, it's kind of started from there. You know, um, you had him on your podcast recently too. And a really interesting conversation began about like, you know, crossing the line in extreme horror. Yeah. And that seems to become a really big topic here recently, especially with the yeah. like Marine Dora's blot of humanity, Charlotte's mm-hmm. nest, uh, net. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. what do you think about like this? Like how far is too far in this stuff? To me, I, <clears throat> I think, um, what we were talking about mostly in that conversation too, is it seems like the growing trend. Cause you know, you have, how are you going to, you know, there's films like people kind of want to top each other and make something that's like super extreme. And, you know, you talk about, look at films like August Underground's Mordom or a Serbian film. And, you know, there's really nowhere else you can really take it, you know? And um, so it is kind of weird to see a trend of, uh, you know, like, like you brought up that movie Charlotte's Net and just kind of seeing the popularity of it. And even though like in defense of that movie, it's not like the filmmakers were, you know, committing those acts of violence themselves or anything, yeah. but I just think it's kind of, it's not like when I want to see something that kind of gives me a reaction it's not really, you know, it's not that. And like, I am a fan of Marion Dora stuff. Um, so I guess it is hypocritical to degree, but I'm not like a big fan of that stuff in his films. I think a lot of people can probably pull off some elaborate effects work to where it's not really necessary. And I think some people just do it kind of like for the edge factor. You know, and there is some films, like, I remember there's a big hate against uh, a film uh, called Dog Dick by James Bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I don't think that, I don't think uh, the person who made that video, I don't think she, uh, I don't even know if she even watched the film. You know, people kind of throw that film in the same category. And uh, there's nothing really live, you know, being killed or anything like that. And, um, yeah, I just... Uh, it's just something that's not for me. And I just hope it doesn't, you know, become like a growing trend. I think it's just kind of weird. There's other things you can do in my opinion, but you know, when it comes to people trying to constantly top each other and like, you know, make, make something that's fucked up. I mean, like that stuff is fucked up. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And it's it's like, definitely not for me. For sure. I agree. And, uh, you know, but you did bring up some interesting where you're talking about like hypocritical and this is something we've talked about a lot recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the longer you stay in this genre, the more kind of hypocritical you'll become. Cause I'm yeah. like, all right, the stuff Mario Dora did no, nah, fuck that. It's terrible. But yeah. Camp Holocaust on the other hand, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know why that is like why there's certain things that like, even though they're the same, 
I seem to forgive this, but not this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is like, I'm personally not, you know, I'm very far from being a vegan myself, but, um, I do it. I've, I've heard people kind of bring up, uh, you know, how can you be offended by something like, you know, you're only offended because it's a domesticated animal and, you know, maybe that's true, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I am slightly hypocritical in that sense. I, I do like to consider myself, you know, someone who loves animals. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it seems like in some of that stuff, like with Marion Doris stuff, I'm not sure. I know I've seen like a couple interviews that he's kind of, you know, he'll draw to saying, he'll try to make it seem like, you know, people are non-vegans. Kind of having people question their own morality. But there's, I think there's probably another way you can question your own morality. Um, obviously, like the big one. And I, I'm actually in the minority. I haven't seen um any of his two recent films yeah uh blood of humanity and uh the desire of maria d i think it's called but um like in uh the angel's melancholy that was really there's a big debate on whether that whole cat scene was real which yeah definitely is and that was just i I remember seeing it and it wasn't like it wasn't shot in a very gruesome way but it was definitely legit and just like as a person myself, I don't, I don't know how anyone would be able to, you know, I, I have two cats that I love very much and they're my whole life and I don't see how somebody could, could yeah. do that to an innocent cat. Yeah, that's the thing too. And it's like, you know, I try to, we talk about it like, because it's like you try not to be judgmental because I understand that even my own self, I fall into that hypocritical state as well because it's like, all right, I'll yeah. talk about traces of death but not this, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, there is definitely something to be said about, like, the way Mariandora shoots the animal stuff, that it just seems mm. so destructive and unnecessary. Because yeah. I watched Blot recently, and the pig scene is just like, man, you didn't need it. Yeah. And it's so bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what Chris uh, from Trevor Cinema kept talking about, too, is he was messaging me after he watched them, and he was just saying that the piglet scene in that movie was just, you know, like the craziest shit he's seen in a Mariandora movie. So that kind of, you know, on top of not seeing them, I've seen people, you know, list them for crazy high prices and you probably have to spend some money to obtain it. And uh, unless I find it for cheap, it's probably not something I'm going to go out of my way for and spend yeah. a whole bunch of money on. You know, there are door films I really like. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just stick to watching like Cannibal and uh, Voyage to Agatis. And, um, yeah, those are probably my two favorites of his. Yeah. You talk, we talk about, the, of course, the hypocritical nature. The, I guess the call my own self out a little bit it's like the mon- the uh, mono <clears throat> the mono films like africa blood and guts and stuff like that it's always like oh those movies are very exploitive you know back there uh, on fucking traces of the death so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i got it too uh, in, this, in the shelf somewhere back here i got uh <laughs> some traces of death bootlegs from the convention so i actually haven't seen them yet but you know, it's something I figured, you know, a night where I have like a friend over or something, you know, I'll just throw it on. It's kind of <laughs> some in the background. I have seen some, you know, like the Mondo and Shock tapes and stuff like that. And um, I, I'm not really too offended by them. It's, you know, mostly just footage people get off the internet. But um, yeah. it's not really for me either. You know, sometimes it can be crazy and give you an emotion seeing, um, seeing you know, shockumentaries and stuff like that. But I, I have some just for... I don't want to say for like collective purposes, but yeah, it's just not really, not really my thing personally. Not really like a mixtape person either. No. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you talked about collecting. I, mean, I think a lot of the times that's what drives me personally to get a lot of stuff. Like I have Charlottesville. Yeah. I have Blood of Humanity. And it's just because it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's part of the collection. 
<laughs> will I watch it? I don't know, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but it's there. Yeah, and I'm definitely, and I'm definitely guilty of grabbing unnecessary titles just to kind of complete like a label or a collection that I have. So that's just you know part of the collecting game. <laughs> as far as like um, you know, just horror in general goes, like mm-hmm. what what's um. What's some of your favorites? What's some of the stuff you're looking forward to as far as like coming out? Coming out, um, a big one I'm looking forward to is uh, Brian Pollen's Septic. I'm a big fan of Brian Pollen. Yep. And uh, I think he can, you know, ma- you can throw this guy, like, for example, like Bone Sickness is an estimated budget of $3,000. And granted, he probably has some material and doesn't have to spend as much money on props. I think what he can do with the budget is absolutely crazy. So definitely really excited for that. Uh, there's an anthology coming out uh, being released by uh, by uh, Jonathan Doe's uh, Val Video production label, mm-hmm. a compilation from uh, that Jesse Jesse Seitz made, where it's uh, it's called Fucked. It's that anthology. Mm-hmm. It's like an extreme horror anthology with just uh, female filmmakers, and I think that's really interesting too because people tend to think of extreme horror uh, as kind of like a male dominated you know, thing, and yeah, maybe the majority, you know, of these, uh, of the people in these groups and the people who watch these films might be male, but there's a, you know, very, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of women enjoy this stuff, too, and um, when it comes to uh, extreme cinema, I feel like there aren't too many films made by made by women. I mean, you have, like, American Guinea Pig Sacrifice and Green Elephant, and, you know, there's, there's tons of great ones, but um, I think it's really cool, and I wonder what it'll do to kind of uh, help, uh, give some exposure to those filmmakers as well um that's uh and that these are questions i asked too and they're so hard to answer on the spot upcoming releases um not really a new movie but you know some of the massacre releases coming out and like the men behind the sun releases i'm looking forward to yeah i'd really have to think about that one. i'm trying to think of uh i'm a big halloween fan so obviously you know I might not love Halloween ends, but of course I'll go and see that. And I am looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, it's a tough and off top of my head. Put you on the spot. <laughs> I am, yeah, I am, uh, I am excited for people that even though I just, it's a new film that's not out yet and I already seen it. I am excited for people to see the, uh, uh, Lucky's new film. So, um, but yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to some of these. I really have to put more thought into that. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, after this is done or 10 minutes later, I'll think of 15 titles. Yeah, right. I, come out for that. I can't think of on the spot. Yeah. Um, a question we got asked uh, for this episode of the podcast I thought was very interesting. I want to kind of put it to you and not just extreme horror, but just kind of horror in general is like when someone asks why you like this stuff, like what do you, what do you tell them? Like, how do you explain to somebody why this is the stuff you like so much? Like horror is like a whole genre or kind of like, uh, like, ex- like extreme horror. You, like both, you know, like, yeah, they're very similar to me. I don't like separate one and the other anymore. Yeah. There's probably reasons that I don't per yeah you know, I can't personally comprehend as why I like it so much. Um, when I was uh, growing up, I, I had like OCD kind of bad, and it was when I was younger, it was really bad, and I kind of had all these uh, kind of irrational fears of things, and um, I 
I don't have like one particular memory in specific, but um, I think there must be something related to that that kind of drew me in to the genre and uh, to a degree kind of, you know, controlling your fears and kind of overcoming your fears. And um, I just like seeing, you know, crazy stuff. You know, I like seeing a lot of gore and I don't know. They're just really fun. And there's a lot of people that like these movies that don't go as far into it as, you know, someone like me or you guys do. But um, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what it is. Um, a lot of it has to do that, you know, like I was mentioning Halloween earlier, and that kind of put me on to getting really big into horror movies. And there's just something just kind of about, you know, just kind of dark shit and scary shit that I have uh, an attraction to. And I'm not like that, you know, I'm not like in person, um, you know, I'm obviously, you know, I'm just a regular, regular guy. I'm not like a violent person or a mean person. Um, but yeah, something just kind of fascinates me about it. And then kind of getting into these more indie stuff and extreme stuff, just becoming fascinated with the process of how a lot of these filmmakers uh, utilize their low budgets to make something really cool and enjoyable. And just kind of analyzing that. But yeah, overall, it's just been since I've been such a big fan of horror since I can remember, you know, I, I couldn't really tell you exactly, you know, what it was, but I think it might have something to do with, uh, you know, like OCD, probably something subconscious that I, I, I can't comprehend. Yeah, and, and you brought up something very interesting, too, where it's like, you know, you said, like, you're not a violent person and things like that. And, like, yeah. I've found that, like, as far as, like, horror, most of the time, horror fans and even extreme horror fans are, like, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And that's why, yeah. like, it wasn't the iceberg itself that bothered me, but it was the, like... Mm pushback from it where people yeah, yeah exactly where people were kind of like like oh who are these people how could they watch this like well they're actually some of the yeah. nicest people i've ever met <laughs> yeah and also you'll see in like a lot of like uh, i guess i could use the term like normie horror groups like more mainstream horror groups you'll always see those comments about you know people always occasionally bring up like a serbian film you know you know people are fucking sick if they can watch this stuff and I don't know. It's, you know, I think there's something, you know, even with a lot of sane, rational human beings to just kind of test your limits um, and the adrenaline of it that that is just fascinating and fun. Agreed, yeah. I mean, that's even like uh, you go on to the the worst parts of like TikTok, for example, and you'll see people being like, oh, Serbian film is even like illegal to watch. And it's like, no, it's not. I saw a really funny comment once and it was in one of those more mainstream groups and there's there's a guy who I just don't know if he I'm not sure if he just doesn't know what he was really talking about, but he was like a Serbian film's not a horror movie, it's snuff. Correct <laughs> 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 me up for some reason. <laughs> those are always like some of the, like I remember back in the day when I used to review stuff on YouTube, I reviewed Black Sun the Nanking Massacre. Mm-hmm. And this dude posted like a I swear, 20 comment posts about how that never happened. Uh, Japan never invaded China. It was all it was all ruse, all conspiracy theory. And I was like, man, I'm just reviewing movies, dude. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. want from me? <laughs> you just said all the work, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I mean, wrestling term. <laughs> wrestling terminology. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's unfair to kind of accused people who enjoy content like that of being you know really messed up or anything like i think there are things you know if like you're someone who gets off and enjoys you know videos of like animals being crushed or if you're just constantly getting off on watching a lot of like real shit and like the curiosity gets the best of everybody and everybody sane people you know they'll check out some crazy you know real death footage of stuff but 
yeah you know the people who you know people who like it they all know you know it's not real it's fiction and it's just a fun adrenaline ride but yeah some of the nicest people you'll ever meet are are in the not just the horror community but are in a lot of the underground circles mm-hmm. when it comes to like the the real stuff like i know at least for me it was just a rite of passage to see something like horrific on the internet yeah i'm pretty sure i was like 12 when i saw bud dwyer <laughs> off himself on tv <laughs> and uh on top of that i saw the three guys one hammer video when i was like 14 <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. That, that that shit will uh, mess you up, and it, I guess for me, the fictional stuff's way easier to deal with than <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's you know safe, you know thing, you know like people. Another big one is like the Luke Magnata stuff, and yeah, I just when I see stuff like that, it makes me just want to fucking rip that person's head off. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, makes me angry. It's not really even an adrenaline thing. Yeah, it's just messed up. Uh, you know, but like I said, you know, even completely sane, regular people, you know, their curiosity will get the best. But, you know, like who hasn't seen, who hasn't watched like cartel beheading videos and stuff like that? You know, even people who aren't even into the horror genre watch that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's too, it's like, um, I think that you find like we all dabble further and further into it. And then you eventually find that spot where you're like, yeah, like, you know, we've covered the Japanese fetish stuff and I get why people like it. But for me personally, it's like, I think I'm good on that. Like, do you have that? Like, do you yeah. have like that? Like, you're out like that. Ah, I'm not in. That's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the big things that are not for me is shit and puke. I can stomach puke a little better. But I think sometimes it's weird how a lot of those films will get lumped in with the horror genre you know like that like the iceberg list for example it made it seem like like the natural progression of like the horror movie fan and seeking out crazy shit you know is like you know i have films like august underground angels melancholy and then like after that you have you know like terrible meal and like scat porn stuff yeah i I don't really think of those two as the same the same thing like you know i don't like knock it you know people who are into the fetish stuff and like puke stuff you know that's that's fine and that's that's totally their thing but it's just not really for me personally I did think Jonathan Doe's Barf Bunny is pretty sweet, though. I don't even like Puke, but I thought just the way he shot it and the colors and the music, um, I thought that was a pretty entertaining watch. Yeah, for sure. I like that it was like pretty much like a comedy. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that's what I thought was the most interesting thing yeah. about it. I was like, it's legit funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then The Degenerates really was more my thing, and I think he fucking killed it with that release. And it's so cool to see him... Um, like him having these limited edition box sets to a hundred, seeing those things sell out pretty fast and just seeing him kind of gain a name for himself on the underground community and seeing his YouTube channel pop off. It's uh, it's really cool to see. Definitely. Um, before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to plug or, you know, plug your social medias or anything like that where everybody can find you yeah, and, uh, and stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, I have a, a podcast called Morbid Horror Podcasts. And you can listen to it through severedcinema.com or Spotify. Um, on Instagram, I am gutpile138. And on Facebook, you can just find me at uh, Brandon Terry. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, thank once you. Again, thank you because we're big fans of Deviant and your podcast. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> awesome. I really much appreciate that. Like I said, you know, you guys have one of my all time favorite horror podcasts. and I'm always stoked every time there's a new episode. It makes my work day go by a lot better. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, sir.